Welcome to this week's boxing episode of the Down the Pub podcast. I'm joined by Jimmy Best and his dog, Steve Steele, Chris Searle, and from Ireland, Kenna Flood. We got together to talk Wilder Fury too. I also wanted to let the public know how hard it was to get these guys together, so you can hear that at the start. You can follow us on Facebook and on Instagram. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe, so you never miss an episode. Now on with the show. Whose fucking dog is that? It's not mine. Who do you think? It's not mine. I'm not allowed to have dogs in the building. <laughs> Jimmy, I'm well, not to have a dog either. You fucking, you turn up Just ten, sat. You turn up 10 minutes late. Echoey is fucking dog on in the background. Sounds like he's in the middle of Malaysia. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a second. On a calling card. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. When my, when my buddy was doing, he was, he was teaching England or teaching England, teaching English over in English South, Korea. South Korea. And when we would do the, the correspondence, it was like watching CNN or NBC. When the when the reporter asks a question, and then the other reporter sits there for like 10 seconds. Like... <laughs> uh, oh, yeah, Chris. Yeah, man, that's oh, all yeah, good. Chris, yeah, yeah. That's all good. You're, you're echoey there, Chris. Is anybody else? Everybody's echoey now. I think it's off of Jimmy. For fuck's sake, Jimmy. There, there we go. Okay, so can, can everybody just say hello so we can see, make sure... Hello, hello, hello. Okay. Hello, hello. Okay, Jimmy. Hey. Okay. Hi, hello. Hello, right. hello. Let's do this. So I think Are the echoes going? Yes. Yeah. So, Anto, before we start, do you got to yeah. say who you want to speak or count yeah. off or whatever so we're not speaking over I, each other? Hang on, the echo's back again. Jimmy, I think it's you, you fucker. <laughs> What what are you what are you using, Jimmy? <laughs> Just a headset. Oh, the I, fucking I, disgust in the side. I just, I just, I just give up. <laughs> fucking hell! Oh, I'm fucking just saying. Oh, I'm bollocks. Like you were like, I'm bollocks. Jimmy, like he was your pregnant teenage daughter. What the I fuck know. was that side? I, I'm sorry. I've had a long fucking day. It's like trying to get fun. Fucking hey, Anthony, fucking... man, don't delete any of this, bro. Trying to fucking get five donkeys to fucking just be on the phone and say, I want to listen to the next seven minutes again. <laughs> and, and then fucking Jimmy starts up with fucking in the cave. For fuck's sake. <laughs> he's, got like a, he's got like a Nokia 7000. <laughs> just a second. I'm going to go in a bigger room. Okay. Jimmy. Is like, that he's better? Like, he's using a Game Boy. I know. Is that better? <laughs> yeah, that's better. Okay. Okay. So it's just because I was uh, in that yeah, office, now, it's too small. Uh, the fucking dog's back again. For fuck's sake! <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> How can you hear that? The it's dog, outside. The dog can be a part of the show, man. That dog <laughs> For is cool. Jeez. The dog's probably got better opinions than me. Anyway. The, do- the, dog's, uh, the dog's a wild yeah, man. Just, He's <laughs> No, I'm the only Wilder fan in the chat, so let's just keep going. Go. I, I mean, okay. I'm not a Wilder hater. I like Deontay, man. He's he was. Uh, I don't want. I don't anymore. But anyway, let's keep. Let's get. Let's get. I, I need to. I need to do the. I need to do the intro. So we, let's do that first. So welcome, welcome to this boxing special of the Down the Pole podcast. I'm joined by. You gotta do it again, man. You gotta do it again. I'm sorry. Oh, thanks. <laughs> ah. <laughs> All right, all right. I'm muting myself right now. Three, two, one. <laughs> Welcome to this boxing special of the Down the Pole podcast. I'm joined by Steve Steele. Hey. Kenneth Flood. How are you? Chris Searle. Hey, what's going on? And joining us from Mars is fucking Jimmy Best. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> Mars is being polite. So, so obviously we had the big fight uh, last Saturday night. Um, bit of a would, some, would you say it was a uh, an upset that uh, Fury won? No, God no, no. Okay, because um, I a lot of people thought that he was gonna win it. Who calls uh, Wilder to win? Me. Steve. Me, I did. Me as well. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll own that shame. Yeah, oh, I was the guy that said he was definitely... But, like, is someone drinking a juice box? Like, what's happening? <laughs> like... <laughs> 
like, fucking Welch's grape going on over there? Like, like are you thirsty? Are you parched? Look, I'll, since I was the one that took Wilder to win, I'll, I'll just get into it now. Straight the up. Fight didn't go, the fight didn't go entirely unexpected. I felt whoever was going to win the fight was going to win decisively. I was banking on my guy Wilder winning. But, you know, Wilder's costume was too heavy. I think his trainer contracted the coronavirus. His dog was sick. Mercury was in retrograde. Uh, I believe the market crashed three points. There was a lot of reasons why he lost, according to Deontay Wilder, other than he just got his ass kicked. So... Oh, no. I, 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 I honestly don't know how I'm going to edit this. So, somebody's mic is fucking awful. That sounded like a great rant by Steve. I know. And I, I hate to interrupt him mid-rant because he gets on a train of thought and it's just amazing where it goes. But so you know what? Like, Advice? Just mute. You want to just do uh, two for two or just mute while we're not talking? Just mute when you're not talking. Yeah, that's. I've just been muting when I'm not talking, so I know it's not me for once. <laughs> okay. Right, I'm doing it now, too. Okay. Kenny? Good. Yeah, I won't speak either. You're allowed to speak. Just put it on mute. <laughs> like, if we all just sit here on mute. How much further we can wind you up, Anthem? Is this going to be fucking dead silence intercepted by a dog barking and fucking Jimmy's face? All right, Steve. All right, Steve. Let's wind, right. You, let's wind you back up again yeah. there, bud, and I'll let you go let's, again. I right, we need to do the intro again. All right. No, you can edit that. Steve, how did you get this completely and utterly so wrong? Wow. Now we're opening? Okay, we're opening how I got it wrong. First yep. and foremost, there's plenty of excuses, and if you listen long enough, Deontay Wilder will tell you all of them, okay? First and foremost, the costume was too heavy. Second, I believe his trainer got coronavirus, which impacted his judgment, which led into throwing in the towel. Three, I think, I think he poked his eardrum a little too tight with a Q-tip the morning of the fight, and I think it threw off his equilibrium. Four, I believe Mercury was in retrograde. Five, I believe his girlfriend started her period and she was a little cranky and maybe didn't make his pros. I don't know, man. He had a lot of excuses. By the time this podcast airs, he'll probably have 12 different versions of excuses. Moral of the story is he got his ass kicked. Um, I believed in him. A lot of people believed in him. Apparently, he didn't believe in himself because that's why he has so many excuses. Sometimes you lose in life. It happens. I'll take that one. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But I still like Wilder against 99% of heavyweights. But I don't think this fight was an upset by any stretch of the imagination. So, so Jimmy, why, why did you get it so wrong? I get it wrong just because what I've seen from him in the past, and I figured he would have came back to this fight, learning what he learned about Fury in the first fight, and did something to change that. But, uh, yeah, I was wrong. <laughs> really, really wrong. There's, uh, I didn't see that fight going that way. i seen Fury winning a dozen different ways, but that wasn't one of them. Yeah, I, I, he just looked dead on his feet while there for most of it. Yes, like, he did. Yeah, I mean, you get smacked on your ear like he does. It, it's going to throw off your equilibrium. You're not going to feel right. Plus, it's an almost 300-pound man slapping you in the ear like that. So the impact of that, like, it, it's going to throw you off, and he never had a chance to recover. Like, that fight, in, in my opinion, probably could have been stopped a lot earlier than it was. Oh, yeah, like, looking at him, like, toward, like just before they, they stopped it, like, he looked dazed, confused. And yeah, I felt that it probably should have been stopped sooner. Um, Interruption. I think that fight should have been stopped in the third round. Third or fourth round, I think that fight could have been stopped very easily. Yeah, I mean, like, he's lucky he didn't get any more damage done to him, to be honest. So, Chris, yeah, uh, Chris, sorry, did you, you, you went for Fury on this one, right? I, I kind of like had a head and a heart kind of picked with this one. Like, my head said Wilder, um, similar to Jimmy uh, or Steve, I guess. Who said what? Well, yeah, Steve. Edit that part out. Um, yeah. <laughs> but no, um, like uh, I, I picked Wilder just because of, of the optics, what I've seen over history over time. He, he's got the puncher's chance in every fight he's been in. And even if he was the underdog in this fight, to, to some people's opinions, he still had the puncher's chance. But from watching Fury in that first fight after the ninth round, there was a hunger. And, and he kind of tapped into that hunger early in this fight. And I like... Steve said third round, fourth round. I kind of felt like yeah, that that was it. Wilder was done. I mean, he always has that puncher's chance, but the equilibrium was gone. Um, there's a lot of hate going towards his trainer. Um, Mark Breland, I think is his name, um, for stopping the fight when he did. In my opinion, it was stopped at the perfect time. I know that 
Wilder was complaining that he's a guy that goes down with his shield. Um, you know, it, it, I'm going to die in the ring, all this other stuff. You know, that's, that's pride and ego talking, but he has an opportunity now to get that revenge in a third fight because Breland made that decision. We don't know how that fight would have ended if he, if, if Breland didn't throw in the towel. Fury could have finished him off two, three times in the corner. Um, the ref had no intention of stopping the fight. So I think it was the right decision. But back to the original question, the, the reason why I'm a little taken aback that Wilder lost the way he lost is because normally he controls fights. Um, he had no control of this fight. And I think it's the first time pretty much since I've started watching the guy that he was against it from the very beginning. So Fury gets full credit for knowing what he had to do in the second fight. Yeah, I think uh, I think he sacked the the trainer to, or whoever it was to today or yesterday. Um, I think he probably saved him from be, yep. like not being able to ever fight again. To be honest, yep. um, can it like so? What did Fury do differently this time than what he did the last time to to win the fight? Um, well, I thought Fury won the last fight as well, and that's why I picked him to win this fight. <laughs> who laughed did there? I see what you did there. Who who laughed? <laughs> who laughed at Kenneth there? Me. I did, for fuck's sake. Because he didn't. I don't think. I don't think he fought the same fight at all. I think he fought much more like he fought at the end of the twelfth round in this fight. Well, yeah, one. Well, yeah, like I said, like the, after the ninth round of that first fight. That's why I was saying like Fury from the ninth round yeah. on in that first fight. Like even when he got knocked down in the twelfth round, when he got back up, he he won the round. Yeah, in a weird way. I agree. So yeah. no, yeah, you know, I did. So, so I had Fury on points the last time, but watching Fury all the way through his career, he's someone that evolves and someone that um, tailors his camp towards who he's going to fight. He doesn't just do what's good for him. He's going to be what's good for the fight as well. He doesn't just follow one template. He, he uses different techniques fighting different people. The start of this fight, when he changed camps, I was thinking, what's going to happen here? But then when I saw he went to Andy Lee, he was his cousin, yeah, and Sugar Hill uh, Stewart. Uh, Manuel Stewart's uh, nephew, I knew he'd have a, a great camp leading into this and he'd bring him along that extra little bit that he needed to be top of his game coming into this fight. And their advice, their training, I think, made all the difference in this. If you see between rounds, they're advising him how to make corrections, what to be doing, what's working and what's not no, not working. Why I didn't have that? Why when someone who like had a big right hand and was known for that and knocking people out, but could also box... But he was moving away from it and relying more and more on just the right hand. As that fight went on, when he had his left hand down and his right hand up and cocked, he looked like an amateur. He was looking like that weird YouTube guy, was it Charlie Zelenoff or whatever? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that like goes around challenging boxers and getting the head bet off him. Uh, and that's what happened. But when he was listening to Wilder's corner saying, back him up and hit him at the right, back him up and hit him at the right, it hasn't worked. Yep. Do your job. When those when those corner men did not do their job, they turned into just sycophantic fanboy spectators. Pretty much. When they didn't do their job, they were just spectators. And it, I believe that's what cost Water the fight. He has the skills to win it. He could win the rematch. What do you need? A completely different camp, and he needs to go back to the basics that made him a great boxer in the first place, as well as having a great right hand. So, will a um... fantastic analysis? Sorry, Anthony. Fantastic analysis. Will a uh, will a rematch happen? Uh, yeah, I think it's almost yeah, a lock, yeah. isn't it? It's definitely gonna happen. It's, it's yeah, unless unless AJ's unless Andy Joshua's camp comes in with a ridiculous amount of money, with a ridiculous offer that he can pay off uh, Wilder, say, look, go back and fight anybody out there. Um, I mean, maybe even Ruiz. Yeah, Ruiz. Yeah, and well, that was next. Was next is going to say fight, fight Ruiz or the one guy who really kind of hoard him from my sorties. Um, ah, yeah. In the past, fight like he hoard him, and I know a lot of people mentioned that when when they talking about Wilder fights, but he got hurt there, didn't you? Fight maybe fight him again, fight him again, having that big wedge of cash, maybe twenty million dollars in the back pocket from AJ's camp, and put the fight together between AJ and Fury in in Wembley, the Wembley Stadium, and um, eighty thousand people at it. Does not New Joshua have like a uh, a mandatory fight he has to do though? No, money talks. No, money talks. Yeah, because I think he can just get rid of the belt. Is, is yeah. that what? Yeah, like same thing Mayweather used to do all the time back in the day. Like he'd win a belt and just be like, "I don't want to fight that guy." Take I, the I belt don't mean back. to be rude to Anthony. Jo- I don't mean to be rude to Anthony Joshua, but Anthony Joshua is no fucking Floyd Mayweather, and he will not perform no. any of such stunt or theatrics. Um, 
No, the, the fight's gonna the rematch is gonna happen this summer. Wilder's gonna invoke a rematch clause. He's already given up a thousand excuses. They're gonna fight again. It's probably gonna be a similar result, I would say. I think unless Fury falls off and starts doing mad cocaine again, I can't see this going any <laughs> But look, look he, he ballooned to four hundred pounds and did tons of blow. It's not out of the question that he could do it again. I mean, cocaine's yeah. a hell of a drug, right? So. So is, yeah, is, well, is, is Twitter and Cousins are up to now at the minute. Um, it's very easy to fall back into those circles because that's what's going to be around them. So is, is Joshua Pulev a thing? Like, is it actually going to happen? I, I, I assume Joshua's not going to – Joshua's, like, like posturing right now, I think. I don't think he really wants to fight Fury. I, I, I don't believe Anthony Joshua wants to fight anybody. He hid from Ortiz for years, too. Like, Wilder mm-hmm. knocked Ortiz out twice, but, like, Joshua hid from Ortiz, ran for Ortiz in half his career. So I don't believe Joshua wants to have any fights where he could possibly lose. It's all blustering, and he'll fight him because they're both in the UK, and they could do big business and stuff like that. But that's just covering his ass. His those their camps don't get along. Their management doesn't get along. Like they're not going to fight each other. But it, so, it, it makes for great clickbait. Uh, okay. No, but but I, what I was saying, Steve, was um, you guys were talking about Joshua the mandatory fight with Pulev. Like, is that a thing? Is that is that like going to happen, or is is Joshua going to posture on that too and kind of like hold that off as long as he can? I think Joshua's going to take the easiest fight available to him, so he can keep winning. There's where you guys you can compare him, Joshua, to Mayweather. Is Mayweather would often outweight opponents' primes and then fight them when they were past it. That that's a normal thing. I think Joshua is just waiting for Fury to fall off the wagon and maybe he can like swoop in at that moment. But I I don't yeah. I think Joshua's a coward, so that's me. So, yeah, I don't think we're going to see Fury have 10 title defenses. He's not going to match um, Wilder's record. He's 31. He's going to be around for another maybe three years. He's had his problems. He's proven himself um, in, in this fight. There's only one or two more fights out there that really interest him. So I think that if Joshua wants to be considered somebody really great, he can't wait three, four years mm-hmm. for Fury because Fury won't be there. But why does he keep running away from these fights, though? Because he's, he's scared. Management. He, Money. He just want to lose. He, some guys just don't want to lose. And we understand that. Like, the Ruiz fight, he was never supposed to lose, right? Like, that was a freak thing. He took that fat yeah. dude, Homer Simpson-looking dude to fight because he thought he would win. When he lost, it was shocking. And then he went in and he fought the most defensive, safe fight he possibly could to get the win because he is a better fighter than Anthony Ruiz. <laughs> he should have beaten him the first time. But, like, I don't think Anthony Joshua has ever – like, the only f- exciting fight Joshua's ever had is the Klitschko fight, his first, where he mm. beat Klitschko. Because Fury's fight with Klitschko is an absolute snooze fest. It's one of those boring boxing matches you possibly watch. <laughs> but that's not Fury's fault. That, that's just the byproduct of fighting Klitschko. But, like, Fury at least went to war. I mean, not Fury. Um, Joshua went to war. But ever since then, he's been averse to any real yeah. physical boxing matches. Well, he, he, took, he took the Joseph Parker game plan pretty much and just reassigned it to Ruiz. Mm. Yep. Yeah. So it was like uh was was Klitschko was, Klitschko was a, a spent force. Dominant. They, but what wasn't he yeah. like spent? Like how old was he when they fought? Forty-seven. Uh, no, 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 I mean, I mean, like how old was that uh, Klitschko? Oh, geez, I don't know. Uh, forty-two, forty-three. Jesus Christ, that's what I mean. That's and that's his best fight. You know what I mean? Like so. But see, didn't didn't he fight him after Fury? Yes, he did. Yeah, Fury. Yeah. Fury appointed Klitschko. Like, if you watch the Fury Klitschko fight, it's like Fury just does ju- what we kind of were predicting he would do against Wilder. Is kind yeah. of what he did against Klitschko. But Klitschko is the king of appointing guys with the jab anyway. So you can't be mad when someone oh, Klitschko is Klitschko. Like it was what it mm-hmm. was. Like the Klitschko brothers damn near killed heavyweight boxing with how boring yeah. they were as fighters. <laughs> so I'm fighting in Germany all the time. Yeah, that too. Exactly. So, like, I, I didn't get back into heavyweight boxing until Deontay Wilder. Like, I, I will I will clown Tyson Fury from now until eternity because I remember when Fury won the fight. He was the next big thing. And then he bloomed to 400 pounds and fell in love with cocaine. Like, uh, he was a punchline for years. I'm very happy for him that he got back and he's back to where he is now. But I, I, I still think it's only a matter of time before, like, his ego and his weird – he's adopted this kind of, like, weird Conor McGregor slash Chael Sonnen slash Floyd Mayweather approach. And I messaged you about mm-hmm. this the other day at the end. Like, if Tyson Fury was black, I don't think he'd be half as popular as he is because white people would not stand <laughs> acting that way. But he's white, so it's okay and it's fun. Like, it, it's true, though, because like, Tyson Fury has adopted like a Floyd Mayweather type approach, and white people love it. But yeah. white people don't love Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> That's an interesting take, man. That's an interesting take. Every chance, every chance, every chance he gets, he tries to get the race card into it. It's really weird. Yeah, that's got to be. That's got to be it. The the white guy trying to point out all the evil whites in the world. Yeah, that's true. But no, it's like I I, 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 I
Uh, but <laughs> I, 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 had friends, I had friends watch the fight at the local bar, and like every one of them said, like the whole bar was split 50-50, black and white. Black guys for Wilder, white guys for Fury. It, it's not it's not uncommon. Oh, that's uh, a real thing, man. That's that's been a thing with boxing forever, though. Like I remember when when yeah, Floyd fought Ricky Hatton, um, it, mm-hmm. it was the same, same thing. thing. Like I I was actually going for Ricky Hatton just because his career trajectory was fantastic, and I had a thing for British boxers. Like I love Joe Calzaghe, for example, and and there was something about I, that fight where I was just like, I I mean I'm I'm half black, here I am cheering for the the white dude and. And people looked at me funny, but at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I just want a damn good fight. You guys are taking all these allegiances and getting all the all all seriously serious and social. And and Steve, you're not wrong, man, because like you go on Facebook, it was the same thing. Like all my friends, bam, wilder, 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 and they were mostly people of color, and and not just black people either. All people of color. No, no, no. And then when you went to yeah. Go ahead. Okay, go ahead. But case in point is um, Demetrius Ferguson, Anthony, the, the guy that does the uh, was in the Wanderers um, documentary. Yep. Black as the day is long, right? But huge Fury fan was cheering for Fury and won ten grand from everybody at his black barbershop. shop. Everybody, all five barbers <laughs> got two thousand oh, dollars. All five black guys put two G's down on <laughs> Deontay Wilder. He won ten grand. He loves Fury so much right now. He may propose to him later on. That's wow. like so, uh, but because he, but here. he bu- but he, bu- well, yeah, it would be different there, but he bucked the trend being a black guy picking Tyson Fury. It, I don't think it's like conscious racism. I don't want to, I want to make that clear. I don't think anyone's picking white guys or black guys based on color because of racism. I think people gravitate <laughs> to someone who looks more like them. Now, obviously, no, not many white guys look like Tyson Fury. Most of us aren't 6'9 and fat. So, well, I mean, we might be fat, but we're not 6'9. No, we're not gifted with both curses, right? So, in, in like, my job, all the black guys picked Fury. Every one of them picked Fury. Yeah. As a this better boxer, uh, you know what I mean. This this, this has gone in a totally different direction. <laughs> yeah, you got a lot of editing to do. But you know what? That's <laughs> I said that because I was going to say a lot more social commentary. I was say the same thing too. Um, I I was saying on Facebook, I agreed with Steve, but on the other end, I found that there was more of of I don't mean to use the word interracial loosely, but but an interracial support for Fury, and I think it's because as humans, a lot of us actually actually resonated with his story. Um, I don't personally yeah. resonate with the whole uh, cocaine yeah, addiction, yeah. but the crash and burn thing, I think everybody in life has kind of um, gone through that kind that, that stage. You know what I mean? So seeing that underdog story kind of rise to the top, I think people kind of turned off their, their social constraints for a minute. Steve is right, but I found the reaction the day after, there was a lot of respect for Fury because of where he came from to where he's at now. Yeah, that, like the guy that school when he was 11 to Tarmac Roads, 11 years of age, taking out of school, sent out to work with his dad and brothers, Tarmac and Roads, yeah. all day long. A bit like you, kind um, of. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I mean. It's, it, everybody can resonate to the story, right? Yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah he, um, but, but just going back, back to like his mental health and his addiction problems, um, Irish travelers in the UK and in Ireland, you know, they got nine times the suicide rate than the rest of the population. They've got double the addiction rates. Um, they've got three times the prison sentences. Um, there's only like 50,000 of them left. But they make up, which is a tiny percentage of our overall population, mm. of our, our overall population, but they make up a huge portion of the, the prison population. Their sentences are generally three to four times longer than someone from the settled community. So he has all of that in his upbringing. He's had, faced every hardship and adversity that you could probably think of He's been so, socially stigmatized and still still has. Um, so, so what you're saying is, is Tyson Fury is like a black guy in the UK. <laughs> no, I, I, I think. What? No. Am I wrong? No, like, no, 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 no. I, I say it's more likely to be like the uh, like the the natives in in Canada. It's more that kind of yeah. like the. the I only laugh Fury. because I, and I'm not, I'm not laughing because I thought it was funny. I'm laughing because shit, we're all the thinking. same. But I you was were thinking, thinking exactly, you were thinking exactly. Yeah. Steve, you know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. But but when, like, you, when you guys was, say when you guys say native oppression, that's exactly what it is. The indigenous oppression in Canada, that's way that's more exa- comparable. Uh, and that's exactly what it is. Like I mean, like they like their whole culture is just being like crushed by because we, like we don't it's it, it, you don't people don't understand it. You know what I mean? Like it's just it's something that's alien to us, and 
yeah, they, they've got a higher rate of incarceration. They leave school earlier and stuff like that. They're just forgotten by the system. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I can, like, I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a rocky story, really, isn't it? Like, I mean, like, it's this rag-to-riches yeah. kind of guy, and, like, people love that kind of story. Um, I, I just kind of wanted to just change tra- uh, tax. Social commentary, McGee over there. So, obviously, Wilder was kind of complaining about his costume. So do you think that these ring entrances have gone too far? It's funny because it kind of reminded me of uh, that Ferreira guy in MMA. He he came out dancing and doing all this stuff. But at the same time, if you're brought into the cage on a friggin' lighter, then, yeah, it's not going to matter how that you're wearing a 45, 50-pound costume. And plus, uh, if you're doing any amount of boxing training, you're probably adding extra weight as you move around anyways. Like, it's not something that's out of the ordinary form. I, I think that's kind of just uh, one of the many excuses, like your buddy had mentioned at the first. It's just not something uh, a professional athlete should have to worry about. But it, it just seems like like it's it, they're taking so long to get to the ring, and it's yeah. uh, it's like McGregor's the same. Like I mean, like some of his walk downs have been kind of ridiculously fucking long, and it's like you know, just you're there, um, you're there to fight. I don't get what you need to do. The Google, thing. do your Googles, do your Googles, Google Prince Nassim Hamed. In oh, the I was about 90s. to say that. Oh, <laughs> I love Prince Nassim. Oh, that, that's, that's some real shit right there, man. That, that Magic carpet. That's where it all came from. <laughs> that's a WWE entrance is what that shit was. His, yeah. his own yeah. rap song. Yeah, oh, yeah which is, oh my God. Like, talk about like somebody who like went off the fucking rails. He was another one, huh? What is it with British boxers and cocaine? It's like, as soon as they get the title, <laughs> the Colombians move in. <laughs> Fucking Ricky, and fucking. I think the only one was just was Amir Khan. Yeah, he just hit the ceiling. Yeah, Yeah. he he was. (laughs) (laughs) I think a lot of it has to do with just where boxers and like fighters in general. A lot of times they come from. They they don't come from money. They don't come from a place that they have access to this or they're even around this. So they first get that first taste of money and like, they go nuts. Like these aren't the, the star athletes that have been put through on university scholarships and kept clean their whole lives and stuff. These are a lot of these kids are just kids that had nothing else to do. They had boxing gloves for $50 where equipment for any other sport you're paying tons and tons of money for. Like you look back at like Mike Tyson, like, he didn't have a shot in hell. If he didn't box, he probably wouldn't have made it to the age he is now. No, definitely not. Just that's, ask, that's, that's just a great speak, point. Just talking about weight, in the first fight, I thought Wilder's hand speed was a bit slower than I'd seen previously. Now, when I saw he was coming in so heavy, heavy in this fight, I thought maybe that's going to play in to his hand speed, which you really going to need. Do you think that the extra weight that Wilder put on, trying to kind of move up, surely still had 40 pounds on him, trying to move closer to Shorty went against him. He was quick in that first round though. Like I, I really think that it's it's a matter of Fury did his job. He stopped him, he slowed him yeah. down, he kept on the I, and it wasn't even a defensive fight for Fury. He went forward. Yeah. The only defensive thing he was doing was throwing a jab to parry away his yeah. shots. Like well, it was it was a completely you. different fighter. I think you're both partially right. I think he was fighting defensively. I think that's what the clinching and the constant headlocks were was defense like frustrate him. But the fact was is that he never unholstered his right hand the entire fight. He kept it cocked, waiting for the perfect moment to throw it and never threw it. Mm. He threw a couple quick snappy ones, I think, in the first round. But other than that, he just kind of kept it waiting. And by the time he like yeah. decided it was time to throw it, he had no legs under him to throw it anymore. So I don't think and I don't think Fury's jab was his sole defense. I think the hacking was like the hacking, the constant grabbing, the punching in the back of the head. The, yeah. The, I call them they're the Ali tactics. It's the Ali, yeah. the old rope, minus the set of the rope. It's the Ali Foreman strategy of wearing your opponent down. Yeah. Fury fought a brilliant fight, but he definitely fought. The defense was definitely in the stalling and putting the, the announcers kept reference to him, putting his 300 pound fat ass on him and constantly yeah. making him carry it, right? Yeah. The thing with Fury, That's too, is when, when, when he gets control, like I was talking about earlier, like he had control of the fight against Wilder more than any boxer against Wilder, period. But yeah, you, typically with Fury, it's it's a rhythm. He gets into a rhythm, and and he finds that 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 mode, that wave, that mm-hmm. that consistency with his strikes. But I found like with this fight, he came out gunning right off the bat, 
and his sole focus was to knock Wilder out of his rhythm, which is to be mm-hmm. methodical, to keep the cardio at a low pace, to find that that moment to throw that hand. So I think that Fury did a really good job of instantly putting Wilder off of his tactics. Yeah, I would agree. So, Can I just ask one more question? Do you think that Wilder's corner man not dealing with his cuts on the inside of his lip and on his ear and not adequately dealing with the damage on his face made him lose his game a little bit more because well, he was concentrating on breathing his mouth, filling with blood. He didn't try and swab it. He just washed it out with water uh, between rounds. He didn't try and swab it. He didn't try and stem the cut in his ear. They uh, just put a, uh, it was like a cute, it wasn't just a piece of tissue. Yep. Wiped the blood away yeah. and immediately start flowing. They, no. they didn't deal with his injuries and the commentary were picking up on that really, really quickly. And I could see them, that I could see him then gasping for breath, trying to move the blood away out of his mouth, rubbing his ear against his shoulder. I just knew him because the blood was, was annoying him as well. And that was all putting him off his game. Yeah. You think you that if he had better corner men that dealt with that, he would have had a better fight. Well, like you guys were saying I earlier, they were like, they, the, the corner almost became like a fan club rather than mm. rather than coaching and encouraging they they were almost like a fan club there i think their egos were as as tested as wilder's was um there was a lot of that fight there was a lot of that fight that reminded me of tyson douglas in tokyo 100 percent. a lot a lot, yeah. a lot of things now mind you um i don't think fury is qualified to be buster douglas i think he's a far superior like accolade having fighter than say buster douglas was but like we know what you're saying commenting on yeah, a, a lot of things he was just commenting on were very much things that happened to Tyson in Tokyo yeah. against Douglas. Not clean. They didn't bring a, a cold press, so whenever swelling happened, they were using a bag full, a glove full of ice, like a doctor's glove and things of that nature. And I noticed it too. Like I wasn't really paying attention because I was really concerned my guy was losing, but like he was like spitting out liters of blood, and I think it was just a cut on his lip. And doctors have the doctor has already said the equilibrium was not impacted by the cut on his ear. That was just something the announcers said. He mm-hmm. literally had no legs the entire fight. He might he might very well have been hurt and fought anyway because there was just too much money. I'm not making excuses for him, but like the, there was no equilibrium damage, so there's something definitely off in that fight. No it, it, equilibrium damage for who? Wilder. I think at the, at that, at the moment, they're definitely, no, no, literally that's what that was. That was what the announcer said. And it's a fair point to think that. Oh, I see. Okay. okay, I see see what you're saying now. So you think the doctors might've been in on the money too? No, God, no, I'm not here to say Wilder <laughs> lost because of any real excuse. He lost because he got completely outclassed. Oh, yeah, 100%. There's no, 100%. There's no debating that. Um, yeah. What I'm saying is is the doctors are coming back and saying there's no, the cut on his ear would not have impacted his equilibrium uh, okay, okay, because okay. It, was on his, it was on his earlobe. That's what I'm saying. It wasn't in his ear. It was on his earlobe. So, like, his legs were legitimately wonky, I think, from punches. I don't think he ever Did recovered you- from some of the punches he took. Did you see him rubbing his ear against his shoulder? When, yeah, well, when mean, he was in the ring, yeah, it, because he was ringing. Yeah, instead of measuring up a punch, instead yeah. of thinking about what he's going to do he was next, ringing. he's like, just, just annoy me. He was this doing the Will. Annoying. He was doing the Will Smith twitch. You know what I mean? <laughs> mind your business. That's yeah. all. Mind your business. He was doing the. He was doing the ear twitch. Like when your ears are ringing, like I, I instantly thought he had a concussion. To be completely mm-hmm. honest with you, because he was reacting he the same act. way. That that I, I, I would, I've had a couple of concussions and he he had the same mannerisms and stuff with his like the tension in the upper body and and like I you've got that ringing sensation that sensation that everything kind of feels like it's closing in on your head you could see it in him a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then Kenny Bayless said today that the referee that he went over to him between rounds and said like show me something you got to show me something this way yeah. he had a good look at, mm. at his ear. And he saw that the cut was where he wears those oversized earrings. So that was something you'd never think of. Those oversized earrings put such a, a hole in his ear when he yeah. was hit, split open. But that, that, that goes to what the doctor said, right? The cut was on the earlobe and not, and not the, it, yeah. It's kind of a myth that there was a cut in his ear that caused his legs to be shaky. Yeah. So I, that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. I'm not saying he was hurt, but maybe the concussion's a theory. Maybe he really, his legs were worn out. I mean, carrying Fury's fat ass for that fight for a couple rounds would do you. Yeah, but right. I mean, getting punched is hard. When they showed the how hard Fury was actually hitting him when you got that really close view, I don't know if you guys have seen it. Yeah. It was on one of the knockdowns. I think it was the second knockdown. They show it really close to how hard Fury was hitting him. Like, there's a very real possibility he was concussed and just getting up and, like, operating off instinct. I, I won't dispute that. He was getting hit. Like, hit. 
But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the reason why Wilder lost that fight was because aside from the Ortiz fight, he's never faced adversity. And I feel mm-hmm. like you guys are talking about his corner being almost inexperienced to the situation. I think that if he had faced more adversity in his career, he would have been more prepared for the first couple of rounds of Fury coming out. Like he was a guy with nothing to lose. So I, I think mean, the third fight, like you guys said, that Wilder has a, as good a chance to win the third fight. That's exactly why he's going to adjust, I think, because that guy has an ego that, that's can not I, going I, to let this go. Can I interject there? So you raise a valid point. He, he, he may have never faced any real uh, like that, but he knocked out Luis Ortiz twice and was losing both fights late in the fight. Oh, 100%. And everyone... And almost everybody he's ever fought, he's absolutely dusted in like the first or second early rounds. So it's not his fault. He wasn't picking tomato cans. He was fighting whoever would fight him. Nobody wanted to fight the guy. Tyson, kudos to Tyson Fury for taking the fight the first time. Because until that point, he was just a hitman. He was just killing people. And Fury went in there, and he almost he almost fell victim to it too. Like let's not let's be clear here. People can say Fury won the fight uh, won the fight on points, and maybe he did. It's subjective. I personally think he kind of did too. But he did get but caught he slipping. Got, <laughs> he got violently dropped twice in that fight. Like it, the lesser men would not have gotten back up. So I, I don't know. I don't think Fury's problem is that he had like. A bad his corner was bad, but I don't think it was because he'd never faced adversity before. This isn't Mike Tyson and Buster. Wilder. That's the only parallel. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> I, I I just think I just think he got knocked out. Like he got he got beat. Like you get beat. Sometimes you just get beat. Like he Lennox said Lewis that right after the fight. The and he said that right after the fight. And I wish he would have just stuck with that. Stay with it. Yeah, he I almost agree. seemed he almost seemed like I we're we're talking about his ego, but he almost seemed humble. In a weird sense, kind of like when McGregor lost to Khabib. McGregor actually mm-hmm. had, after all the fiasco happened, of course, um, there was there was a weird humbleness that you've never seen the athlete actually show. Mm-hmm. And I wish that Wilder had stuck fight. with that. I really do because I I feel like if 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 Wilder had stuck with that persona into the next fight, you know he he's 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 loud, he's proud, he's ready to go. If he had a kind of stuck with that silent but deadly assassin for the next fight. I mean, we're talking about selling tickets and, and them, these guys making money. That would have sold a third fight, I think, more than them going in with the same personalities and stuff because I think people aren't going to be as tuned into the third fight if it's just the same two guys. They're going to expect more of the same. Mm-hmm. I expect more of the same if they fight again, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah. Um, so, so predictions for... Do you think Wilder would ditch his camp? Do you think Wilder would do what Fury did and completely change? 100%. Everybody has to. Yeah, I think he has to. I absolutely agree. I think he needs to get Freddie Roach in there immediately and like yeah. completely change everything. Yeah. But he's not going to do that. He uh, might, Deontay man. Wilder's, Deontay Wilder's excuses come from a lot of guys that come from nothing to something, not unlike Fury, uh, and have a lot of hangers on and yes men around them that just want to be part of it. Like, let's not pretend Deontay Wilder comes from some position of privilege. Like, he was a sculpted boxing athlete his entire life and had every opportunity. Those guys are often surrounded by guys that just don't want the gravy train to end, and they don't have the balls to say no to the man. Yeah. That's why his corner was the way it was. And he actually – the one guy looked out for his well-being, and he fired him. So, you think anyone else is going to help him? So, after that fight, Deontay Wilder went and thought about it for about 24 hours and decided, oh, no, I couldn't have lost. I I couldn't have lost this fight. There has to be some reason. Let me go and fire all the excuses because I don't want everyone around the way and where I'm from to think I'm soft or I'm weak. I think it's it's disappointing, though, because it just shows that Wilder didn't trust Breland, kind of. Because Breland was a boxer. Yeah, he knows what he's seeing. He knew what he was seeing. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I, it's unfortunate because you'd think that Wilder would almost be like, maybe he could say what he's saying in public, but privately be like, hey, boss, thanks. You know what I mean? Like maybe he can uphold the image in public. Like, I don't know why my coach did that. Blah, 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 blah. Duh, 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 duh. But in private, you know, say thanks. You, you looked out for me. I really wish yeah. he stayed humble. I really do. Because now that this all this information is coming out after the fact, He's just putting the excuses on the platform rather than taking the loss. He does sound. He does. It is making him sound bitter, isn't it? Like it's like rather. It makes him look soft. Yeah, it's worse. It's it's actually worse. The knockout wasn't nearly as bad as the excuses. But but I think that's. I, but I think that's that. To my original point is the adversity thing. 
like when they when they were losing both like you said both those fights against Ortiz but he still found a way to finish it that almost accentuates the cockiness so now the <laughs> balloon has been popped so they don't know how to react they don't know how to um how to respond to this publicly privately this is a uh, almost a fiasco for them because they're only used to winning I think if Fury had have lost this fight, it wouldn't have been so drastic because the dude has lost so much in his personal life. He would have looked mm-hmm. at the money he made and he would have been like, hey, Vince McMahon, let's get this business done again. So I, mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're seeing two personalities get exposed in public through sport. And that's, this is exactly what boxing is all about. And, and I wish the public would appreciate it as much as the, the five of us do, clearly. So. Mm-hmm. I think you're right on that too. And I think you'll see a lot more people come back to boxing. Like I'll be the first one to admit I lost interest in boxing in a long, long time. Like I grew up with it and I just gave up on it for the, because there wasn't anything that really drew you into it. And now you have these big, big personalities and especially Fury hitting at the perfect time too. Cause right now mental health is on the tip of everyone's yep. tongue. And now you have this big beacon, this guy that you've overcome all this adversity in his life to become heavyweight champion of the world. Like it's a narrative. It's something that we haven't had in heavyweight boxing for a very long time. Like you look back at the greatest fighters, but then the people that we really, really like to see it wasn't necessarily the guy that, destroyed everyone they got in front of the guy that knocked everybody out like Ali was he was somebody that was sticking up for like social injustice he had a, a voice of his own he had a character and we we see that with Conor McGregor like he pretty much has built his whole sport around him just because of that actual recognition I guess because people like the story that they bring to the table yeah. is it McGregor's story or is it McGregor's charisma I think Ali's charisma is a big part of why Ali's so remembered as well. Like you, you made a valid point there. You said we, it wasn't always the guy that destroyed everyone in front of them, but I think that's actually kind of like the myth. It's the reason why Tyson is so well remembered is we have these great videos of him destroying these tomato cans. But when he fought really good fighters like Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, those types of fighters, he often like came up the short end of the stick. He never destroyed anybody of real stature. But we love him because there's those great videos of him laying destruction to some guy that was like bouncing in a nightclub three nights earlier. Yeah, but to the same effect, we don't all talk about Butterbean like we talk about Mike Tyson. So it's like Tyson came from a really shitty background. Like after Cus died, like his whole life just fell apart on him. Like he was this young kid that got teased, got picked on, got, but always was being, oh, like, completely tossed around from family to family and then all of a sudden he's raised up he's this 18 19 year old kid taking grown men's heads clean off like it's he was a boxer he was a heavy hitter he was a knockout puncher but there was a big big story yeah, behind yeah, him 100 percent I mean, yeah, but if the Teddy Atlas, who trained Tyson, tells a great story about like what you just touched on. He was a kid that was bullied and picked on and all those things. And when he became the bully, he was great. But the moment another bully showed up, he went when he was a kid, he used to hide behind walls and like abandoned houses in Brooklyn. Like he would get inside the walls of abandoned homes. And that that kid never came up from behind that wall. And I think that's mm-hmm. part of the, the one of the most touching things I've ever heard about Tyson. Because Tyson's probably the most overrated fighter I've ever seen. Like, don't get me wrong, Tyson was very good, but people put him in this like <laughs> echelon of like absolute all time oh, great. <laughs> do you think Mike Tyson's the top five fighter of all time? Ten. Really? You do? Ten. Yeah. Ten. Top ten. Heavyweight. Okay, heavyweight heavyweight's different. Heavyweight's different. Yeah, I'm saying top ten fighter ever. Yep. Period. Not no. heavyweights. Because yep. th- there's not a ton of great heavyweights. Like there's a very there's a couple, but like would you put Tyson over Holyfield, even though Holyfield dusted his ass twice? You would, uh, wouldn't you? You would. You, you, that, you know what? that shows you the bias towards Mike Tyson. I would Mike Tyson lost to a man twice in two fights and you still want to put Tyson over him. No Tyson did three years in jail in his prime years. If he had a, hadn't been done what he did, I still don't know how he's such a celebrity actor or he did what he did. But he was dodging Holyfield when he went to prison. Like, and even he knew he, he didn't want to fight have, Evander Holyfield. But if he hadn't have gone to jail and had those three years in his prime, I think he possibly could be considered one of the greats. But he did go to jail for three years and he came out a different person. Yeah. 
Ali went away for a few years. He's still considered one of the greats. He didn't go to jail, but he still went away. His prime was taken from him all the same. Like, we can all make excuses for Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was great. He's not the greatest is the only point I'm making. And people, I, I proved the point. And when I said, do you put him over Holyfield? And everyone was like, yeah, I do. Holyfield beat his ass no. twice. No, nobody said yeah. Nobody <laughs> I said, said no. I said no. Oh, you, you, know, you leaned into it, Chris. You're like, I, I don't want to put Mike Tyson I second to anybody. He, I had to stretch. Yeah. Yeah. No, because I think yeah. George, I think they're both behind George Foreman, personally. Oh no, Holyfield's ahead of Foreman. I, I I think Lewis. I think I think Lewis and Holyfield go ahead of Tyson. But I think we're getting oh, off track. Fucking <laughs> Lennox Mills was is an awful fighter. I fucking hate that guy. Oh, he was an awful man. He was he was very very technical. <laughs> See, everyone will have their own personal picks. Like you asked me, who my favorite fighter of all time. It's a Turo Gotti. I fucking yeah. loved watching Gotti fight, uh, but he is okay. not a, he's not what you would consider the best of all time. No, no. But okay, can but you that, name that, one bad fight? That, that's different. That's a different thing. My, my favorite fighter of all time is probably like Mickey. My favorite fights all time are the Gotti Ward fights. I agree with you there, but no one's making an argument for Arturo Gotti is one of the greatest fighters of all time. Arturo Gotti is one of the most entertaining fighters of all time. Absolutely. That's like the Roy Jones the greatest, Jr. argument. <laughs> Well, I mean, Roy Jones is one of the greatest fighters I've ever seen. Like, me too. Talent I, love like, I love him. So, Maywe- Mayweather has to be in there too, I guess, right? Of course. Fuck yeah, of course. <laughs> Mayweather, Sugar Ray, Sugar Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray, like Robinson. There's lots of guys. Yeah. But like, you know, the Shanko. Yeah, he's yeah. incredible. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, we're only about 14 fights, 15 fights in right now. So who knows? Someday, no maybe he is. I don't so disagree with That's what I think that uh, Warner has to do f- to come back. Like Lamashenko started off boxing. That took him out, put him into dancing, ballroom dancing, to teach him the footwork. Mm-hmm. And then he took him back to Detroit. Yep. You're going back boxing. You're going back boxing Lomachenko, again. Lomachenko also lost his like first fight, didn't he? He lost his first pro fight. Yeah, yeah. That was more That was more the, the switch over from amateur to professional. Yeah. I'm knocking my head off. I think it was a good thing for him, though. I think that made him stronger. Lost his first fight, all these expectations, and then he built upon it. I think going 42-0 and 0 and then losing, like what happened to Tyson, what happened to Wilder, what happens to a lot of great fighters, I think losing at mm-hmm. that stage of your career is far harder on you psychologically. It happened to Ronda Rousey. Rousey lost her first fight well into her career. Different sport, but you get the same idea. I think losing after being so accustomed to winning is a much harder thing than Lemachenko just losing his first pro fight. Well, yeah. got that out of the way. Let's focus and get better. Yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Uh, I agree with you completely. So, so is this guy going to become like the next Michael Flatley, can it? What I need to do is walk, go back, watch Rocky Tree. <laughs> Rocky Lewis down the line. comes in and says, you got to go back to your basics. You got to learn your footwork. You got to learn to dance. You got to learn to move. And you got to avoid these big clubbing rights from a guy that's 40 pounds heavier than you. And he has to learn the lesson. Watch the movie. It'll take his mind off losing. <laughs> and give him some ideas for the rematch. So, so just to kind of close things off here. So we're we're, we're saying that we're going to have a, a Tyson Wilder, oh sorry, a Fury Wilder um, tree rather than them fighting Anthony yes. John, uh, Joshua. Absolutely. I'll wait. Yeah. I'll, I'll sit yeah. back and wait to see what money's on the table. So will we- I can't see any way with all the fanfare that fight doesn't get made. No, Fury. Fury ha- I mean, if Wilder has first right, and if he invokes that rematch clause in the next twenty-five days, the fight happens regardless. So, and he all the excuses he's making, he has to. He has to go for it. He, he- I'm doing a little. I'm doing a little bit of cheating right now too because I never normally do this. Um, but Joshua <laughs> Pulev is actually still lined up. Mm-hmm. So. Joshua's Joshua's got another fight on the table, anyways. Uh, June twentieth. Ah, oh, at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, Anthony. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember seeing some of it. That's the, f- the first fight they're gonna have at the stadium. Um, Look, Anthony, you can get let down twice stadium. in one week. You can get let down twice in one week in the same stadium. <laughs> oh, Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I love that. Yourself. That's not very nice at all. <laughs> I think that's my cue to get the fuck out but of here. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that, that more or less confirms that Joshua's got his he, – he's dotted his I's and crossed his T's, it looks like. Um, I think it's so who, the IBF that so does who's that. This guy, who's, who's this guy that he's fighting then? Pulev? Yeah. Pulev. Yeah. yeah, he's been around for a while, honestly. I, I honestly 
I remember Pulev more than I honestly remember any of these other guys, like Wilder, Fury, Joshua. Like, I didn't know who any of these guys were compared to Pulev. Like, Pulev's been around for, Jesus, ages. He's only lost to, I think he only lost to Klitschko, if I'm not mistaken. So does that give, yeah, that's one so will this be a, uh, will it actually be a decent fight, you think? Oh, yeah, 100%. And then, and then after that, then we might see fight Wilder or Fury. Hopefully, uh, like the, the one in England, everybody wants to see is Fury Joshua. I think. Ken, is that is that the the thing you get from in Ireland? Yeah, in Ireland as well, everybody wants to see Wilder. Uh, Wilder sorry, no, Fury and AJ. Um, only want to see in a big stadium. We could oh. do this monthly, man. This is fantastic. I don't enjoy listening to Jimmy and his fucking barking dog. So, um, I guess, I, I guess, on that sour note, I'll, I'll leave it there. So, I just want to thank uh, everybody for jumping in and uh, giving us their their piece. So, thanks to Steve Steele. Thank you. Thanks to Kenneth Flood. Nice one, man. Thanks to Chris. Thanks, brother. Nice meeting you guys. And uh, Jimmy, for fuck's sake, sort real Fuck next you. time, will you? <laughs> and my friggin' fifteen dollar headset from my PlayStation's not good enough for no, you? No, it's not. It's really fucking not. Yo, like, honestly, before we quit, Jimmy, I have to give you props, man, because as much of a shit show as the start of this podcast was, you put in some good points. Despite sounding like you're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. I started in my office and it was too small. Now I'm in the garage and that's too fucking big. Everywhere's out there, there's dogs. I live in suburbia. It sucks. <laughs> Life on fucking Bora Bora. Fucking Jimmy Best. Um, all right. Uh, thanks, everybody. I really appreciate it. And Jimmy, just keep the menagerie to a minimum next week. All right. Just like you're, 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 okay, you're well, you sent me the link a completely different way. I, I don't really pick up on shit quick. <laughs> you're, you're allowed that. I still fucking buy records for Christ's sake. So I'm back a few years. You, uh, you're allowed to have a goldfish with you. That's about it. All right. <laughs> Bring me sunshine in your smile Bring me laughter all the while In this world where we live There should be more happiness So much joy you can give To each brand new bright tomorrow Make me happy through the years You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast. Thanks to all my guests on this week's show. Watch out for next week's episode. We'll be doing a Wanderers roundtable and we'll be joined by Wanderers president Derek Martin. I'm also having to chat with Cape Breton Uni's new player and fellow dub, Keen Lynch. So please watch out for that. You can go to downthepub.ca to subscribe. Until next week, cheers. <laughs>